Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. There is a story for everyone here because every story matters. Welcome everyone to the Storybox. This is the place to be if you are a lover of stories, learning new and interesting things, and if you want to grow abundantly. My name is Jay Phantom, and I believe it's my purpose to help you realize your worth and become the greatest and best version of you possible. I am grateful that you're here today. Now let's journey into the Storybox together and hear more about whose story will be unboxed today. Have you guys heard of the term the Blue Zones? Well, my guest today is the one who really made that term famous. His name is Dan Butner. Now, for those of you that need to know more about him, he's an explorer, National Geographic fellow, award-winning journalist and producer, and New York Times bestselling author at that, among many, many other things. He discovered the five places in the world dubbed Blue Zones hotspots where people live the longest and healthiest lives. Why is that the case? Well, it turns out their lifestyle has a significant amount to do with that and the reasons for why there are only five and not others in the world are quite extensive, which we do dive into during this conversation. Dan's uh, articles about these places in the New York Times Magazine and National Geographic are two of the most popular for both publications, believe it or not. Dan now works in partnership with municipal governments, large employers and health insurance companies to implement Blue Zone projects in communities, workplaces and universities. Blue Zone projects are well-being initiatives that apply lessons from the Blue Zones to entire communities by focusing on changing to local environment public policy and social networks. And his books have been quite well-renowned. He's appeared on many, many TV shows and uh, you know what. And uh, he also holds three Guinness World Records in distance cycling, just to add to the uh, ever-growing list of things that he does. This was a very interesting conversation because I've, I've always wanted to speak with Dan and ask him more about these blue zones and and why they are the case and how even though we might not live in a blue zone, how can we live or associate our lives that resemble something that is going to help us live a little bit longer? You know, I think prevention is a lot better than trying to actually cure an actual disease you end up getting, which a lot of these people in the blue zones don't end up getting significant illnesses or diseases that we end up getting. And, and why is that the case? Does it have to do with diet, lifestyle, happiness, all these things? And, and I think you guys are going to find this one really, really interesting. So that being said, uh, I won't delay any longer. Uh, so let's dive into the story box. You know what time it is. 
let's journey into the story box as we listen to the incredible wisdom, the advice, and the stories of none other than Dan Butner. It's a delight to be here. I'm already having fun. It's me too, my friend. Honestly, with technical difficulties to start everything off, that's usually a great sign <laughs> to start off a good conversation uh, when things aren't going right. But anyway, put your guests at ease. It and, does. You know, yes, we don't put you too high at a pedestal. Yeah. That way, you know, I feel like I can open up and be myself. I do have a habit of being too proud, so it's good that I'm yes. humbled straight away when my mic's yeah. not working. <laughs> but it's so good to meet you, Dan. I appreciate you making the time to be here. Like I said before, I am very excited about your new book. Um, I love all your work. Some of my favorite conversations that you've had or that I've listened to in the past, like with Rich Roll and Dr. Rungan Chatterjee, love the in-depth nature of it and, and all the advice that you pour out. But before we dive into your work, the blue zones and everything else that you're doing, my very first question for you is, what does success look like for you? At this point in my life, it is the sweet spot between enjoying life and feeling you're contributing and living out your sort of calling. Um, but yes, I haven't always had that balance and um, uh, that's the, so right now success looks like doing what I love, which is this blue zones work about 30 hours a week and staying in shape and making sure all my social uh, connections are, are my, my people are important to me are, are taken care of and, and, and um, you know, I get to enjoy them and then having enough and not being worried about, you know, trying to always get more. Uh, I think that the old adage that happiness is not, not about um, getting what you want, but being satisfied with what you have is particularly relevant as you as you get older. When was the moment for you specifically that you discovered that this was success for you? Has it been this gradual uh, thing over the course of your life that you realized at a different moment? So was there more of a catalyst somewhere for you? I've had the good fortune of working for National Geographic for 20 years now on happiness and longevity. I have cover stories on both of those topics. So I've been afforded the opportunity to talk to the top scientists and uh, talk to people who are statistically happiest. And uh, my opinions are influenced by what I've learned along the way. And um, yeah, it's, it's, um, and being close to the data, you know, I can tell when it comes, I can tell you that when it comes to happiness, your social first, the number one controllable factor uh, for getting happier is building a circle of friends with whom you can have meaningful conversations, uh, who care about you on a bad day, uh, you enjoy their company. And they exert a positive influence on your habits. That's the number one thing you can do to stack your deck in favor of happiness. The number two thing you should be doing if happiness is your priority is getting or staying healthy. Uh, that's more important than money. It's more important than the best job in the world. It's more important than, you know, living in a penthouse suite somewhere. Um, staying healthy, which is, you know, where Blue Zones comes in for me. 
I want to dive further into the topic of happiness. And sorry if I cut you off there just a moment ago, um, especially with the whole blue zone topic, um, which we will dive into. But I wanted to ask you, do you have many bad days? I have some bad days. Yeah. I have some bad days. I think of people, yes, bad days, you know, if you don't have any bad days, you have no gauge with which to proclaim you're having a good day. <laughs> what does a bad day look like for you? Usually a relationship has gone awry. Some family member or some romantic partner or some friend, it's almost always that. Or I'm sick, you know, COVID. COVID for a week. Those were five bad days in the last year. So how do you bring yourself back to core happiness? Bring yourself, fix the relationships, fix those areas like sickness. And I'm sure they'll probably last more than one day, like especially with sickness. How do you bring yourself back to being happy? Well, first of all, most Americans get it wrong in that we 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 tend to muscle through sickness. The best thing you can do is sleep for vast majority of, you know, I some know some people have chronic illnesses and so forth, so it doesn't pertain to them, but sleeping is vastly underrated. You know, we tend to run to the pharmacy in search of some pill or supplement or uh, some medicine that's going to cure us when getting a solid eight to 10 hours works wonders. I think in the relationship part, it's, it's having the hard conversation, ideally in, in person and um, showing up listening instead of trying to fix the problem right away or trying to be heard on your point of view, but this um, very uh, gentle and, and, interested inquiry, uh, compassionate inquiry. And then once you've heard the other person's complete side, then I think you're free to um, begin with the phrase, you know, I feel, which there's, there's very rarely a, a, an absolute in, uh, in any, any side of a, of a quarrel or a dispute. With your research, Dan, and looking at the current state of the American society, why do you think that a lot of Americans aren't happy? Well, I can tell you the data that people who live in areas that voted for Donald Trump are about twice as likely to be unhappy than people who aren't there. Um, I We received way too many suggestions to buy things. About 330 advertisements rinse over our brains every single day, reminding us what we have isn't enough. So we're always seeking more and um, that never satisfied or rarely satisfied with what we have. Um, We are uh, an obese nation, um, about 70, between 70 and 73% of us are obese or overweight. So we know health is so important. We're spending more time in our cars. The amount of time in our cars has gone up by a factor of two in the last uh, 40 years. And we know 
from Daniel Kahneman's research, the, on a day-to-day -day basis, the least happy or, or the, the activity that brings us the most unhappiness is the daily car commute. Uh, human beings hate that. And that, that's data too, by the way. Uh, second, um, the, the number two is housework. We don't, you know, obviously throughout, I'm talking on a day-to-day -day basis, the thing we hate to do worse is drive and we're spending more time driving. And, um, you know, we live in a very fractured, polarized country where we're full of uh, us's and them's and we need more we's, W-E, we's. I can uh, understand completely about the hating of driving. Uh, I've been driving almost 10 years now, and I can't say that I love it any more than when I started. I I um, yeah, cannot stand it. I have severe bad road rage, uh, mainly because people can't drive or I think they can't drive. So it doesn't do my happiness or mental health any good when I get in the car. The moment I get in my car, my my state of happiness drops significantly because <laughs> I'm like, great, <laughs> here we go. Um, but yeah, it, it's very interesting how we have sort of created this society for ourselves and we're getting, it seems like to me, I don't know if the research supports this, it seems like to me that we're getting further and further away from core happiness, from proper relationships with people, from actually having meaningful connection, proper health, uh, losing weight. I mean, the whole adage of promotion of uh, body positivity with overweight people that you can actually see it. I don't want to start a war with people, but it's basically promoting an unhealthy lifestyle in my opinion. Um, so in, in, I guess my question to you would be, Dan, how do we fix it? Can we fix it? Well, most people, when they try to fix their health or their happiness, their situation, they turn to trying to change their behavior uh, to muster the discipline, find the right program, whether it's positive psychology or some diet or some exercise program, and then uh, muster the discipline or the presence of mind to do it. Um, and the problem with that is while they are occasionally successes in the short run, they're failures for almost all the people, almost all the time in the long run. So um, the answer is reshaping our environment. Yeah. And I, I wrote a book called The Blue Zone Challenge, which uh, marshaled in about 40 different evidence-based ways you can, you can change your social environment, your home environment, your kitchen, your bedroom, your workplace, or even your commute. So that the default, the unconscious decision is slightly better all day long. And that can add up to a huge uh, overall impact on your happiness and your health. So even though someone in America doesn't live per se in a blue zone, they can still like, they can still live like the people in the blue zones. Is that right? That's correct. So if you look at the the main factors in blue zones, they're not exercising. None of these centenarians are doing CrossFit or pumping iron. They're <laughs> simply living in environments where or, uh, every time they go to work or a friend's house or out to eat at occasions of walk, they have gardens out back. Their houses aren't full of mechanical conveniences. They're doing work by hand. Uh, the opportunity to implode into their homes 
and get on their devices is in there. They're they're connecting in person, uh, showing up to festivals, showing up to church, meeting, bumping into people, acquaintances and friends in the streets all day long. Uh, we know that loneliness is as bad for you as a smoking habit. People aren't lonely in blue zones, not because they're better remembering to socially connect or they're, you know, getting on each other's um, um, outlook calendars to, for meetups. Uh, they just live in an environment where social connectivity is unavoidable. Yeah. Similarly, uh, they uh, live in an environment where the cheapest, healthiest, and tastiest food is whole plant-based food. They eat a little meat, but the, what, what's what's most accessible for them is so. We tend to think that people are healthier or live a long time around the world. It's because they're better than us or they have better genes. No, they simply live in better, better surroundings to favor uh, better behavior for the long run. Did you coin the term blue zone? Technically, uh, Gianni Pass coined, coined it for the area he observed in, in Sardinia. And I met him in 2004 on a worldwide quest to find longevity hotspots. And I was inspired by the term he used and I um, extended it to uh, all five places. Well, you know, we, we said no to a lot of places, by the way, there's, there's a criteria to be called a blue zone, but the, the worldwide phenomena is, is my doing. Um, and, uh, but I continue to collaborate with Gianni Pass continue to collaborate with Michel Poulon, who is the demographer who's done all the difficult mathematical work to confirm these populations as being long-lived. So um, like any memorable accomplishment, it's really the work of one person. You mentioned there's a criteria to be classed as being a blue zone, and there's only five of them. Uh, what constitutes a blue zone for those people that don't know? So to simplify it, you have to go back about 100 years, let's say, um, to a period between 1920 uh, and 1922, and you find all the births in, a, in an area, and you follow all of those people for 100 years, and you see which ones are still living and which ones have died, and then you adjust for immigration and emigration. And then you compare it to other places like that around the world. It's enormously painstaking. You have to confirm ages. But once you have that data, then you can determine the centenarian rate. And then we don't spend much time looking at life expectancy because that figures in infant mortality. We, we're more interested in, in uh, middle age mortality. Yeah. Or essentially your chances of making it to a healthy age, 90 or 95. And uh, these blue zones have the highest percentage of people who are making it to those ages. And not coincidentally, we later discovered it's because they're not dying of heart disease, type 2 diabetes, uh, cancers of the GI tract, Alzheimer's, all these diseases um, are shortening our lives and uh, are avoidable. And simply people in the blue zones aren't getting these diseases. How long did it take you? 
I mean, you've probably been around the whole world, looked at all these countries, tried to figure out, okay, these are criteria, here's a lot of the, the research involved. How long did it take you to find these five specific blue zones? Four years. Four working years. With four years to find them and confirm them. But once you find them, it's a lot of work. But then, then you can start the very interesting work of mining them for insights. Yeah. So the, all these, once you know for sure that these people have achieved the outcomes we want, which is a long, healthy life, free of chronic disease or largely free of chronic disease, then you can start looking at the common denominators. But what my predecessors have done is they too hastily take anecdotal information and now they've been proved wrong. The caucus mountain, the caucuses in, in what is today Russia debunked, Hunza Valley in Pakistan uh, debunked, the Vilca Valley of Ecuador debunked. Um, you know, most of these places that made all kinds of news and people still, you can, you can Google them. Uh, we're never blue zones. And so you can't go to these places and expect to find any meaningful insights because they're not living any longer than we are. I saw someone recently put up a post on Instagram. Um, I won't mention who it was, but he was basically saying that the blue zones don't exist. It's all a, it's all a, a basically a fake ploy, so to speak, to get you to be vegan or get you to do whatever it is. And I know. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. So that when someone like yourself has a lot of research involved, then you're going to face a lot of critics and blowback and things like that. What do you do specifically, Dan, to basically get rid of that? Well, yeah, I get a little bit of it, but I don't get much. First of all, you know, I work for National Geographic and the, and the fact checkers occupy the corner offices. So um, if, if if they dig down, they, you know, but my work is unassailable. Um, so, you know, they haven't done their homework and they're, and they're probably just hungry for attention. And, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, the world we live in. So, you know, I tend to not like that sort of thing. So I'll let it pass once or twice, but if they show up and heckle me, uh, you know, I just block them <laughs> and they go away. <laughs> Amazing. 
funny how that works. <laughs> I recently um, started blocking people as well. So it's a, it's a wonderful feature. <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> yes. I, I was interested in very much like these five different areas. So I believe there's one in Japan, one in Sardinia. Uh, where are the others? Uh, Icaria, Greece, uh, Lomeli, California, uh, among the Seventh-day Adventists specifically, and then the Nicoya Peninsula of Costa Rica. So the Seventh-day Adventists specifically, like do, do all these areas have some form of religion or spirituality as part of their area? They all have religion and people who make it to 100 tend to be religious. Right. Yeah, it, it, it's very clear being religious favors longevity. We don't know why. I doubt very much it's because they pray to some God and God then bestows health and longevity. But when you look at the lives of religious people, uh, they tend to uh, show up once a week for spiritual gathering um, where they downshift, probably de-stress, maybe relinquish some of the existential hardship of being a human um, up to a, what they perceive as a higher power. They're less likely to engage in risky behaviors. They're less likely to be lonely because they have the faith-based community. Um, yeah, yeah, and mainly it's just, a, you know, the life can be tough and to every once in a while feel like uh, there's a God who cares about you it is enormously comforting. By the way, there may be a God. I, I you know, I, I, don't, I can't answer that question any better than anybody else on this planet. But um, um, the, the the notion of one certainly helps people. I was going to ask you whether or not you had some form of religious practice in your own life. Yeah, I, you know, I show up once in a while. It's 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 not strong. It's um, um, what was it, Pascal's wager, where you know when you think of uh, eternity, and that even if faith is, even if uh, there there's a one thousandth of one percent chance that there is a God. You still, it's still not a bad idea to maybe behave yourself and follow sort of the general precepts of what most religions would consider a virtuous life. Because if there is one, you want to be on that God's, in that God's good graces in case there's a heaven. Yeah. I think. Oh, and that, no, that's no, yeah. way I, I reason things. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, I'd much rather be on that side than on the other side, to be honest. And I always always think that belief for a lot of people is a powerful motivator and it can change your life on many, many, many levels, as I have discovered. And I think with more religious people having some sort of grounding and understanding of why they're here in the world kind of makes them a little bit more motivated to do certain things in the world, live a certain way, be healthy, be kind, be um, humble, for example. Uh, but I found it interesting, um, Seventh-day Adventists, um, because that's a different sect of uh, Christianity and, and all that sort of stuff and, and their belief system, because their diet is a lot different to a lot of other religious and Christian people. And, and that sort of brings me to my question of the whole diet 
there's so many diets out there, Dan. How do we know that this one is the right one for us? The blue zone diet. Because the world's longest lived people, in other words, people who've actually made it to 100 without disease, this is the way they eat in five disparate places around the world, in Asia, in, in Latin America, in, in Europe, and in North America, places where people are making it to 100 without in, 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 uh, non-infectious diseases, eat things pretty much the same way, traditionally speaking. So um, yeah, and the data is very strong. And most, you know, if you look at Harvard's recommendations or Yale Center on Prevention, um, they'll say pretty much the same thing. Um, it's not a vegan diet, um, but it's close. So you're still allowed to eat meat? Well, people, you know, I, I'm not a big fan of eating meat personally. I think it's the wrong idea. But I will tell you that people in blue zones have eaten meat over time. They're eating more of it, sadly, as the more they eat, by the way, the more their diabetes rates and obesity rates and um, and, and uh, heart disease rates go up. Traditionally, they meet they meet about five times per month, yeah. and usually a portion about the size of a of a marshmallow or two. You know, not a lot of meat, um, not a lot of sugar either. About a quarter of the sugar. The average American uh, consumes about twenty two to twenty four teaspoons of sugar a day in blue zones is about seven. And um, it's not because they're, you know, it's not because we're, we're shoveling 22 teaspoons of sugar into our cereal. It's just insidious. It's, it's in over 70% of the food we, um, we buy in a grocery store without us knowing it. Yeah. It's, it is crazy. I mean, I don't live in America. I live in um, Queensland in Australia and you just walk into the supermarket and literally you're surrounded by it. Like there's chocolate bars everywhere. There's uh, candy or lollies on display. They, they always put it right in your peripheral vision. Like the moment you walk into the store, you're surrounded by it. It's like, and they put it on special for you too, Dan. Like it's so enticing for you to just pick it up, buy it and indulge. It's like, yeah. And the ads as well that they produce, like you were mentioning ads before. I mean, there's like McDonald's, there's KFC, there's all these fast food restaurants that put countless amounts of junk and sugar into their products. And most of it's all carcinogenic too. And it's, it's doing so much damage to our overall health. When we wonder why there's so many people that are diabetic, unhealthy, but in saying all that, yes, I understand that our food system is not doing us any favors at all. I know it is getting a little bit better, um, but how much of it? So people, when we when we talk about genetics, I think this is an important area to actually mention. So when we're talking about people that are in the blue zones, how much of it is more the fact of genetics versus the way they have chosen to live? When most blue zones, Sardinia might be a little bit more genetic, but it's only, you know, the in any heterogeneous population, so in any mixing pot, which all blue zones are, um, 
only about 20% of how long you live at a population level is dictated by your genes. Um, the other 80% is probably your environment. The access to healthcare is probably less than single digit percentages. But, um, and the way you have to think about it is there's going to be a fraction of a percent of people who can drink and and uh, sit around and watch TV and eat burgers their whole life and live until 90 or 100. Conversely, there's going to be a fraction of people who are going to eat bean sprouts, run marathons, do yoga, do everything right, and they're dead at 40 because of some weird cancer, heart attack. But the majority of us, two standard deviations from the mean, either side, uh, only 20% of our genes are going to dictate how long we live. Uh, genes, I'm sorry, genes only account for 20%. The rest is how we show up and where we show up. So I have a few final questions. I want to make mention of the fact for your, your new book coming out December 6th, The Blue Zones, American Kitchen. My first question revolving around this book is, why did you decide to write another book regarding the Blue Zones? And then why did you call it American Kitchen? A number of reasons. The I wrote I wrote the Blue Zones Kitchen two years ago, and it was number one New York Times bestseller, and it outsold any of my other books. And um, I realized, you know, I write these books for to make a point. And you know, I had tried science journalism to get the point of Blue Zones across, and it worked pretty well. But at the end of the day, I find that people's uh, the, the main conduit to people's minds and even hearts these days is through their mouths. Feed them good, delicious food and their soul. So I really went all out to go back to the Blue Zones, find 100 recipes for people living at 100, brought a National Geographic photographer, one of the best ones, David McLean. And the, the book really hit it out of the park. And then I got to thinking, you know, there must be populations in America who eat like this. So we have very clear uh, food guidelines. And then I hired an NYU researcher. And together we found about 120 uh, dietary surveys and anthropology studies searching for American populations who eat a Blue Zones way. And we found it among African-Americans, Asian-Americans, Latin-Americans, and Native Americans living between 1890 and 1920. Yeah. So then, um, so, you know, I like to track down a great mystery. I wanted to see if there were chefs that still cook this way. And the photographer and I, along with the producer um, and uh, Sam, who you met, the four of us spent most of the pandemic tracking down 50 or so chef historians who could recreate this lost American diet. And it was a great, uh, great quest. Um, the product is gorgeous. It's, you know, National Geographic photography. I believe very good science writing. I have made the argument, this is the diet that can help you live uh, to 100 if your genes will let you. And, um, uh, and it's also has a hundred recipes to live to a hundred. So I'm, I'm, I have great, ex great expectations for it. 
we've got to tell the 20% of our genes to actually allow us to ah, live to ah, 100, yes. <laughs> as, the, as the saying goes. Um, I wanted to you see this book is coming out December 6, which is pretty, pretty exciting. I have no doubt that it will do extremely well. Uh, what is your favorite recipe? Do you have a favorite in there? Yes. There's a guy named uh, BJ Dennis, who's a Gullah Geechee. Uh, this is uh, the descendant from uh, enslaved Americans. And the Gullah Geechee um, originated in what is today West Africa. And uh, they were very good at harvesting rice. In fact, the, the, one of the largest features on the planet Earth are the ace uh, rice patties in uh, southeastern United States. And uh, the fact that they were so good at harvesting rice, afford, their, their slave owners afforded them some freedom. So they had typically had their own house, their own garden, and they fused their African uh, roots with uh, Native Americans and their European overlords. Uh, B.J. Dennis uh, creates this gumbo. Gumbo is actually the Gullah Geechee word for, for okra. So this combines okra, onions, tomatoes, garlic, celery, carrot, a little bit of carrots, but also um, searingly hot uh, peppers, South Africa, I mean, uh, West African peppers, a little bit of vinegar, and this very interesting umami flavor that comes from fermenting sesame seeds, which they call Benny beans. So you have this, this uh, uh, tsunami of flavors, hot, a uh, little bit acidy, uh, umami, a little sweetness from the onion, and you just cry tears of joy. And it's 100% based. <laughs> you know, there's no dead animals in the pot. Triple threat. <laughs> a triple threat food. How about that? I mean, I, I personally... I can't stand spicy food, so I don't know how I'll go with that. Maybe if we can remove the uh, the chili or the spice. Yeah, no, you take the pepper out. It would yeah. still be good. Yeah. It's Maybe. really rich and delicious. I know they do um, gumbo in New Orleans, I believe, and they do a seafood-style gumbo. Uh, is Correct. It, you know that? Yeah. So whenever I get to America, it's on my list to try – American New Orleans flavored gumbo, but then now I'll keep this in mind so I can have that explosion of, of maybe uh, triple threat without the pepper. See <laughs> 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 yeah, I go. Um, but I'm I'm very excited about your new book, Dan. Where can people get a copy, or where do you want them to get a copy of the book now? I know it's available on Amazon right now, but also local bookstores should have it. Um, the last books were widely distributed. So, or you can come to danbutner.com, which is my website and order it off of there. But uh, it's a great gift. It's a gift of life. It's, it's, uh, it took three years to make. It looks great on a coffee table. looks great in your kitchen, especially open to one of the recipes. And it looks great. I don't know if you guys uh, have a Christmas trees there as an Australian, but it looks great under the Christmas tree. We do. Sometimes we get a bit lazy and don't put it up. <laughs> but I mean, you know, if it's a if it's a great looking ornament, then by all means get it for that. Don't don't bother reading it. I'm just kidding. Everyone read it, use it, and then put it on your, your, your table. 
<laughs> anyway, uh, I've got two quick final questions for you, Dan, if that's all right. I'll make sure everyone knows where to get a copy of the book. Uh, what do you love the most about yourself and your story? I pursued exactly what interests me my entire life, and it's brought me not only fantastic personal satisfaction, but also financial success and uh, been able to provide for my family. You know, and I like to think I'm interesting. Um, so it's, you know, I didn't, didn't, didn't acquire my success, you know, selling bonds or something like that. It's, um, you know, I've, I've biked across every continent on earth, including Australia, by the way. And, and um, I feel like I've lived three lives already. Did you like the Aussie culture? Loved it. I loved it. I went from Adelaide up to um, Ayers Rock, yep. Cooper Pedy, through Cooper Pedy, and then to the Fink River Gorge. And in many ways, it was the hardest terrain I've ever cycled across. You know, it's harder than the Sahara, by the way, largely because of the flies. I've never been besieged by more. It's, it's just almost, you constantly have a cloud of 300 flies orbiting your head uh, with one goal in mind, and that is to crawl up your nose and die in one of your sinuses. Yeah. Um, yeah. They, <laughs> Australia, that's Australia for you. The flies and the mosquitoes, they're downright pests. I mean, for me, I yeah. can, I'm okay with the flies, but mosquitoes... You should see me in summer, Dan. Like I'm, I'm a pincushion, honestly. <laughs> I've got like so many red marks all over my body, and I'm itching like crazy. It's, it's a pain in the neck. And I moved up to Queensland recently, which means that it's more tropical. Which means there's going to be more bloody mosquitoes. Which, uh, it, it's a curse, Dan. <laughs> they love my blood. <laughs> Well, I admire you. I, I, you have greater intestinal fortitude than I do. I don't know about that. Just have a fortitude. Sometimes, sometimes I die. But um, anyway, <laughs> my final question for you, my friend. This is my all-time favorite question. I love asking all my guests at the very end. It is a hypothetical one, but I want you to imagine with me for a moment that you've been able to reach the age of 100. I have no doubt that you will uh, with your current lifestyle. But imagine that you've been able to get there and all your friends and your family have decided to put together a film for you of everything you've ever said and everything you've ever done. Don't ask me how in the world they got it all. We'll call it magic for the sake of argument. But they've been able to get it and show it to you on your 100th birthday. What do you want that film to say and to show about your life? I would like to... Okay, I've I've led 21 expeditions. I like a little clip of each one of those expeditions. And um, I would like it to say Dan successfully pursued his passions and arrived. That's it. It's a great send-off message. <laughs> Dan... Thank you so much for your time today. Your research is very, very interesting. You are an incredible human being. Keep doing what you're doing, my friend. And thank you so much for your wisdom, your advice, your stories, and for joining me today on the Storybox podcast. It was a blast. Thank you very much. I'm glad to finally connect with you on the other side of the world. 
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.